mission to explore the far reaches of cinema. Three daring adventurers dive deep into the Criterion and beyond. These are the tales of their adventures. This is Synonauts! Exploring the Criterion. This week kicks off our uh, kind of couple weeks without boom. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Catcher and I are going to continue our exploration of Manila in the Claws of Light with Sean Baker's 2017 film, The Florida Project. Uh, but before we get to that, Catcher, I was thinking we need to think of a name for this little summer sesh i was thinking about that earlier actually like the summer sessions or something you know like something that we could just sort of like tie it together with yeah i was if, thinking if anyone that. has any thoughts let us know i was i was trying to think of something with like boom boom's name involved oh, oh interesting you know i don't know something yeah but anyway summer. <laughs> boomless summer <laughs> uh well because it's like endless summer hmm boomless maybe uh, if you have any ideas, let us know. Mm-hmm. We will be doing the Florida Project today. Uh, next week, Maggie of uh, Film Hags, the podcast that does still exist. That's right. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be joining us to talk about Solo, a Star Wars story, and that will wrap up our uh, exploration of Manila in the Claws of Light. Oh, I'm so uh, excited so for that. That's going to be so much fun. I am too. Catcher uh, and I are still noodling some additional things to, to power us through the summer, but we will, in a few weeks, TBD on a specific date, but in like two or three weeks-ish, uh, we're going to have 70 millimeters of Danny Haas joining us for one of me and Danny and I's favorite childhood films. We've been talking about doing this film for a very long time, but uh, we've... We never did it for a, on deck or whatever. So I said, Danny, we have some room on the, uh, on the packed, jam-packed, and always well-planned Synonauts yeah. calendar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to be covering the film Three Ninjas. Catcher has not seen it. Since, since I, I was a kid. Since he was I, a kid. He has, I he, did yeah. see it. And I actually, like, I'd totally forgotten about that movie. But, like, I, we were going back and forth in our DMs. And uh, I just searched up GIFs, you know, because we're chatting mm. away. And mm. there's that. The GIF I used was the one where they're like the masks. The masks are yeah. in the drawer. And yeah, yeah. I had like a flashback of like, oh, my God, I remember this. So I'm very excited to revisit to see it, to, to, just to see how I feel now. But I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, so, so Catcher, Danny, and I will be talking about Three Ninjas in a couple weeks. TBD uh, on that. But... Today is the Florida Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to that, Catcher, uh, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? Um, a lot of uh, Love Island. A lot of mm-hmm. Love Island. Um, and then a, a, some Star Trek. Star Trek Strange New Worlds is a new show um, that um, tr- is trying to capture sort of like a more serialized Star Trek. like from yesteryear where they're just every episode every episode is its sort of own uh contained 
weird story and they're meeting weird aliens and every episode just does its own thing and it's a blast if you loved like next generation star trek um this is like right up your alley i think it's Mm. got sort of the more modern visuals and stuff of uh like discovery and this the star trek movies with like chris pine uh the jj abrams ones uh, so in that way, it's nice. It feels like modern, but it, it it's throwing back to sort of like old school Star Trek, which I really, really love. Um, and then I started, there's a new show on HBO, a new documentary called The Anarchists. Hmm. Have you heard of this? I have not, but I do like HBO documentaries. Yeah, it's a series. So the only the first episode is out. I think it, I'm, I imagine it comes out probably Sundays. Yeah, usually. Um, and basically, it follows. I just want to confirm that's what it's called. Yeah, the anarchists. Um, it is. Yeah. So it basically, um, you know, uh, like an online group of people claiming to be anarchists. You know, mm-hmm. over they're just over the their treatment living in America. The mm-hmm. government is stealing mm-hmm. from them because taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and this dude who basically uh, utilizes these people and starts not a commune necessarily. It starts off as a conference, and then people just get so wrapped up to it, they start living in Alcapoco in Mexico. Uh, And, you know, it's anarchists. So guess how that turns out? Probably not great. So uh, the first episode doesn't give away too much. It does suggest by the end of that maybe there is some murder, but uh-huh. maybe not murder, you know, who knows? But lo- it looks like some, some, you know, people learning that maybe anarchism isn't necessarily at work all the time. Uh, yeah. We need rules. Humans need rules. Uh, so I'm, but yeah. I am excited to see uh, how this plays out. Uh, the, the documentary, the guy who made the documentary embedded himself quite early in this group. And so uh-huh. has a lot, has a lot of like, uh, access, access to people there uh, throughout the process. So I'm excited to see, like that kind of documentary filmmaking is really good because it's not like years later trying to get people. It's uh, getting them more honest. So I'm really excited. Yeah, there's really always like whenever you watch documentaries like that, Tara and I are always trying to pick and choose the people who are doing like a little revisionist history yeah. on like their perspective. Yes. You know, because you can always tell when it's that one person who is like, you know, like I wasn't fully invested or blah, blah, blah. I'm <laughs> yeah. like, that's, you know, total horse shit or whatever. Like, like those, at, that, that's really was cool. Axiom? Was that yeah, the documentary? That, yeah. Yeah. That's a good example. Yeah. Or Nick, Nixvium. Nixvium. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's a good example. And like, but then it's in those documentaries, it's also cool when you get the people who are like, yeah, I was totally brainwashed. And I thought, you know, ex- so it's funny when you get to see the people who are like fully like, yeah, I like fucked up, and the people who are like, "Oh, like I, I was never really fully right." Yeah, it's like you were, it. you were. <laughs> yeah, so great. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, uh, I think that was pretty much it. Like, um, oh no, 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 this is good. So, oh, no. so Boom arrived yesterday on the yeah. coast. She's here. Yeah, uh, yeah she's. she's she- let, let the listeners know she's maybe half a mile away from catcher, but I have to tell you, it's less. <laughs> It's less. It's it's less than that. It's less than that. Um, she's here. But for- you know what? Boom. 
Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll say Boom's on vacation. She is on she vacation. Said, a well-deserved said, vacation. Yo. She yeah. has been working her uh, butt off at work. Um, so she is here. And she'll she'll also be working from here as well. But it's nice to have her here. Um, yeah. My brother's uh, fiance is like one of Boom's best friends. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're having some friend time, hangout time. That's And we're here recording. But uh, yeah. so she came yesterday by plane to the coast and uh, I have my collection of DVDs and the Internet's being wonky over here as per usual. So my brother at my brother and uh, his fiance's place, they have no Internet. So I brought my DVD player that I bought here and yeah. uh, brought over some movies. I was like, let's pick whatever, whatever we want to watch. And we came down on notes on a scandal, which is a movie. Hmm. What year did that come out? Oh. 2006. 2006. So it's um, uh, Judy Dench, mm-hmm. Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. uh, are the two sort of mains, and then uh, Bill is it Bill Nye? Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. He plays yeah. Uh, plays the husband of Kate Blanchett. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kate Blanchett and Judy Dench are teachers. They work at a school in London. And uh, long story short, uh, Kate Blanchett. has a sexual relationship with a student 15 year old student okay and uh judy dench is the main character and she's sort of judy dench plays the 15 year old student that's correct yeah this is (laughs) yeah it's a real method piece for her she's excellent in it (laughs) um no she plays a teacher she's sort of like the hard-ass old teacher at the school who's Mm -hmm. like very proper and Mm -hmm. uh as the film unfolds it's basically told through voiceover and the voiceover is her diary entries. Uh, and you realize that she, she slowly starts to become obsessed with Kate Blanchett. And uh, a sort of weird... It's not really a love triangle, but sort of a love triangle sort of starts coming through as the movie goes by. And it's a blast. Like, it's one of these, like, movies, uh, I think I mention all the time, that they, they just don't make anymore. It's like mid-budget drama with amazing performances. This is, this is low budget, 15 mil, yeah. it says. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just performances. And it's really, mm. the, the one thing that was truly the most fascinating thing to me is the way the director manages to sort of create enough empathy for the characters where the stuff that Kate Blanchett is doing, which is obviously repulsive, is mm-hmm. not like there's enough empathy within all the characters involved that it doesn't become distracting. Like it really is about the performances, especially mm. with Judy Dench. Um, mm. So you're not spending the whole time being like, ew, gross, gross. You're very right, much right, like, right. okay, you understand why it's happening. It's not appropriate, but like it's not distracting enough from what you're watching, which I think is. Mm you know, incredible filmmaking from that perspective. Um, So yeah, Notes on a Scandal, definitely worth checking out. One of my uh, corner store, convenience store DVD purchases, super successful. That is pretty hilarious that you can get a 2006 movie from England uh, at a random corner store. It's great. You know, DVD pile. It's it's so awesome. I picked up a whole bunch more movies today as well. I'm just like, I'm on a tear right now. Let's see. Uh, Me, I actually... Didn't seem to watch any movies this week other than the Florida Project. Uh, I was out of town over the weekend, so that factored in as well. And you have a baby. Uh, And we have a baby. But 
my most of my like content consumption has been uh uh on YouTube. This guy I found, his name is Click Productions. Click like in your motherfucking click. Oh, okay. Yeah. L I Q U E. Yeah. Uh he does these like NBA 2K like deep simulations. Oh. Where cool. like he'll create custom rosters and he'll like simulate just like massive seasons of the NBA and just like see what happens. Oh, cool. It's really addicting, especially since like I really love the NBA and the NBA is like not doing anything at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so like I'll watch him where he does things where he'll like you know, he'll reverse the entire NBA. So he'll start a new league. And then this year's current class is the first class of draft class. And then the 2021 draft class is the next year's draft class. So like Jordan, all of a sudden becomes like a 20 year player. Wow. Okay. Does that make sense? So he doesn't reverse. I don't know. The kid's super funny. Uh, and his videos are, uh, like an hour too long. Mm. So I just like throw them on while I'm working and like listen in the background. Very good stuff to have on the back. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but not probably not terribly exciting for most people. And then finally, we got to shout out our friends over at Pocket Casts. Bless them. Pocket Casts uh, via Slim, the pod father himself, mm-hmm. the pod daddy himself, <laughs> uh, over at 70 Millimeter. He got the folks over at Pocket Casts to um, feature tape deck pods on their app. Um, so if you haven't downloaded the app, you should download it. Go check it out. It's for like podcast power users, you know, a lot of nice graphics and library, uh, select library organization and searchability and all that sort of stuff. So definitely go check it out. Show them some love. Show our tweets. Like every podcast on tape deck tweeted about it. So go hard it and retweet it. Yeah. Uh, so podcasts can see that we will promote them when they promote us. And and just and just a little bit of side info on Pocketcast. They're now owned by the WordPress guys. And oh, uh, I was uh, listening to a, a great interview with the, I guess, the CEO of that company. And they just seem like a company that cares. Like very few tech companies give a shit about people at, at all. And um, they are just, he's just running a company in a way that just like, I wish most companies ran. So. Please check out Pocket Cast, the app. It's free. And uh, listen to us and all the other shows on Tape Deck there. So let's get into the Florida Project. The Florida Project, as described by Letterboxd. Welcome to a magical kingdom. Uh, the story of a precocious six-year-old and her ragtag group of friends whose summer break is filled with childhood wonder, possibility, and a sense of adventure while the adults around them struggle with hard times. Uh... Yeah, that's a pretty good description. Um, and as our new tradition, here are some lists featured on Letterboxd that the Florida Project is on. Uh, there are some repeats in here, Catcher. Mm. Uh, with repeats along with Manila and the Cause of Light. So I guess we picked correctly. We did good. Uh, the world is hell, hopeless cinema. <laughs> I wouldn't call this movie hopeless, but I understand yeah. where that's coming from. This is also nothing happens, yeah, but vibes. Also, don't think it fully is a nothing happens movie, but I also understand. Um, when you're feeling a little lost, I think that's a very good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's see which other ones are good. Uh, movies that you 
initially thought were quote unquote okay, but hit you so damn hard when they ended. Ooh. And then uh, another one I liked was the absolute beauty of every day's mundan- mundanity. Yeah. 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 I agree with Good. that very yeah. much. So, yeah. Good ones. And I think, I think between this and say like Ash is purest white, this is def. I feel like this is more nothing happens, just vibes. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like, uh, actually, maybe not more. I think they're probably in the same in the same realm because there isn't mm. really a lot that it happens in this yeah um, but we can get into that uh before we get into that let's get into our time machines <laughs> and travel back to 2015 uh when director sean baker and writer sean baker uh released his film his first like breakout film called tangerine uh which follows a transgender sex worker who discovers their boyfriend and pimp had been cheating uh, on them. Uh, that movie made waves because it was A, shot on iPhones, um, which at the time hadn't really been done. Um, uh, it was obviously about sex workers and, and a transgender main character, uh, all completely no-name actors. Um, it was executive produced by the Duplass brothers, mm. uh, and then it debuted at Sundance um, to tons of rave reviews. I uh, got a super limited release later that year. Uh, later that year, or in 2016, he also shot another film on iPhone called Snowbird, which I actually haven't seen, or it's a short, I guess, that I haven't seen. I do want to check it out, though, because I really do love Sean Baker's work. Um, and then after that, he went to go to work on, like, The Florida Project, which would turn out to be his big breakout film. Um, the Florida Project, it uh, takes place, obviously, for... or. It takes place in Florida, obviously, uh, right by Walt Disney World, um, and it takes place in um, uh, hotels, motels that inevitably become like long-stay housing, even if they're not meant for it, which comes up a couple times in the film. Um, the film uh, was shot on 35 millimeter and kind of shot like with no, like there is loose, very loose scripting, and, and and features like his other work two. Uh, complete unknowns essentially in the film. Uh, the first is Bria Venite, Venite. Um, she was a literally complete, not even an actor. Um, she plays, uh, Haley, who is a uh, Mooney played by Brooklyn Prince's mother. Uh, and Sean Baker found Bria, um, on her Instagram. I guess he found like her Instagram account and was like pretty fascinated with her. And so, uh, reached out to her, booked her for the gig. She apparently took three weeks of acting classes, which is insane. Wow. Uh, and then went and shot this film. Uh, and then Brooklyn Prince, who um, was like a training to be an actor, but obviously she is six years old. So, you know, very little training and um, also like relative new. Uh, and then the third main character is, of course, Willem Dafoe, who plays uh, the manager of this motel that the two, um, the mother and daughter stay in. Um, you know, Sean Baker's films, he loves sort of doing slice of life in a very like, authentic way whether it's shooting on um iphones or, or or not using scripts or using complete nobodies to lead his films so that people don't uh get distracted by who's in there um he he uses uh he likes representing uh marginalized people or subcultures who are not really shown on screen um undocumented immigrants uh sex workers a lot uh as a way to like show them uh 
to to show them in films that aren't like ex- expletive, mm. but like as a way to like show them as like the humans that obviously they are. Um, and I, I think the Florida Project really like hits that on on all the notes. Um, this this film came out in 2017. Uh, it premiered at Cannes uh, to huge huge uh, review rave reviews, and then afterwards, A24 bought it and distributed it uh, here in the United States. Um, it got nominated for a couple Academy Awards. It unfortunately didn't win any. Um, in particular, I remember I was really rooting for Willem Dafoe to win Best Supporting Actor for that, but whole bunch of reasons why it didn't win um namely so is that there wasn't really a script and the academy doesn't really like doing things like that but i thought this was one of willem defoe's like strongest roles uh but brooklyn prince did win for a best young performer at the critics choice uh award so it did not go uh blanked in some of the more major um film awards which is awesome yeah uh so i picked this movie because obviously uh i think it really reminded me of Mendel and the Claws of Light. It's about main characters who are really doing their best to get out of the situation they're in um, to varying degrees of success, obviously. Um, I think the main character of Hallie is a com- extremely complex character. Um, like, And Sean Baker was able to capture that really well in a pretty short runtime. Um, you know, and the way that she is juxtaposed against Mooney, her daughter, is just chef's kiss like perfection yeah, i think it you know any number of reasons why i would want to talk about this movie it's one of my favorites i'd seen um in the last couple of years tara it's on her letterbox top four oh, actually really? so w- one of her favorite movies ever as well um but catcher you hadn't seen this right uh no i hadn't i uh, i hadn't seen tangerine either um but i obviously knew about both films and heard amazing things um and just one of those things where you just you know there's a million great movies that come out every year and it's like trying Mm -hmm. to figure out which ones to watch and which ones not to watch and i just it just passed me by but i'm so happy that you chose it because it's just uh it's just such a wonderful movie um so simple it it makes it sort of makes sense that there wasn't a script um because it doesn't sort of have uh it sort of doesn't play out in a way that you sort of might expect. I wasn't sure what to expect, and it sort of doesn't really play out like in a standard sort of narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just like living in a place, being in a place, feeling like these like it just feels so real and natural. And even mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe being like the one face that you recognize in this, he just wonderfully sort of falls into his role. I mean, he's obviously an incredible actor. Um, and he just falls into this role of like the manager of this motel, this rundown motel. And it's just it it's just one of those films that it doesn't make you feel good, but you're happy that you watched it because it just shows you like what's possible with movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like uh, when I was watching it earlier today, the way Willem like even the way Willem Dafoe like smokes his cigarette in a couple scenes. Mm-hmm. It's like he's completely different. I mean, the last thing I saw him in was was the Northman and and uh, the Lighthouse. So obviously, <laughs> yeah. obviously, wildly wildly different roles. But it's so cool when you get to see an actor do something like so subtle, like smoking a cigarette, or even the way he like types on his computer, or how he when walks. He's trying to, like yeah. he walks. It's it feels like maybe he was an athlete when he was young and got mm. injured, 
you know? Yeah. And so he's got like this very subtle limp. And I was just like, what happens to an actor's body when they walk around for a month, like with a fake limp? Like, what does that do to you? Um, yeah. He, yeah, he definitely just embodies this character so beautifully. What I really love about his character um, and about the movie in general is that he really toes the line of like, he understands that basically every single person staying at um, his motel, which is called the Magic Kingdom Motel, which is, again, right down the street from Walt Disney World, like, isn't choosing to be there, mm -hmm. right? And but he still like takes his job with pride and in particular with Hallie and, and, and Mooney and all the kids really, he really like looks act after everyone in very genuine ways. Like he kind of knows he has to be this father figure for, for some of the people who are living there who, you know, their situation is much worse than others. Like, um, you know, Hallie doesn't have a, a, a partner around at all. And Mo meaning Mooney doesn't really have a father figure. And, you know, the way he kind of scolds uh, Hallie for how he, he thinks she should be raising Mooney. You know, it all feels very genuine and not like nothing feels malicious at all. And obviously towards the end of the film, it's pretty clear when he, um, you know, defends her and stands up for her in various different ways. Like when uh, one of um, Hallie's clients, when she's a sex worker, shows up looking for something and he's like, well, you know, he defends her and all sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But then at the end, not to j jump to the end, but, you know, at the end when he, when, you know, child service is there, he kind of knows like, this is not, this is no longer my place to step in. Mm -hmm. And like, you can see the guilt in his face and how he wants to like do something, but he knows like all he can do is sort of help when the kids walk by and then just, you know, he's like, well, I guess that's the end of their story type thing, mm -hmm. which is so, is so fascinating to me. Yeah. Like he, 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 everything you just said is spot on. Like just the way that he sort of parents the kids and the people around this building, like he sees, like these are people that live on the very fringe of society you know for one reason mm -hmm. or another they are you know in bad times and he mm -hmm. treats them with more respect than like most people do you know uh throughout the film like he's the one character that has compassion has considered like cares for them watching his heart break in mm -hmm. at the end where mm -hmm. he knows like okay this is all, I mean, this is where it was heading. Everyone knows this is where it was heading. Um, but just to see how broken up he is about it, he just, it's, it's devastating, you know, because, and, and I'm sure this is not the first time it's happened and it won't be the last. Yeah. And that's yeah. just like, you just, there's like, you're just left with like, there are in the same place that he is, which is like, what are the answers? How can I stop this? And I don't know that I can. There are little moments where you can tell the people who live there really under know that he's like caring about them. Like, you know, when he fixes the power and they're all kind of razzing him. But then at the end, one person's like, love you, Bobby. And he's like, hey, I love you, too. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, just makes everything feel very uh, at home and at ease with him. Um, and then, of course, obviously, when like the um, the pedophile sort of shows up. That at sequence the, was aw like awesome. The way he handles yeah. that is just yeah. so perfect. Yeah, when he slaps the soda out of his hand. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, God. What a crazy, like, what a... But also, just, like, what a crazy moment. Like, the kids are just playing and, like, yeah. just outside. And just, like, where they are is such a... Like, the locations in this movie are so perfect and yeah. so wonderful. I mean, all on location yeah. from 
what I'm understanding. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's just, it's so run, like it's, everything is just so run down and yet there is like a magical mystique. Like there is like a magicalness to it, which is like kind of interesting because of where they are, you know, it's, it's all these hotels around like Disney world where, you know, if you need to get a cheap hotel nearby, yeah. like some cheap rundown hotel. So they're all like, theme this place is called like what like the magic castle so it kind of looks like a castle but it's all yeah, purple and they had like tomorrow and tomorrow world was one of them right yeah and it's just all these like sort of really cheesy uh attempts at sort of off branding themselves to be somehow connected to the magic kingdom you know um and it's just like they are the rejects like the reject hotels and the occupants there are the rejects of society like they it just so perfectly captures like the people that the film is trying to to speak about yeah um and it's just it just creates such a beautiful vibe like the purple color of the hotel is just like Ugh. it creates just such wonderful imagery the colors of the whole film yeah. is are incredible i mean the the the, the tangerine uh stall like the ice cream shop, yeah. the, the wizard, like gift shop, all this sort of stuff. Like everything just looks so uh, incredible. Yeah. And you really you know, do the, start the to get so like vibrant. a sense of where the space, you know, yeah. and like where they live. And it's like every time they pass by that tangerine store or the orange stand, it's like, you know, they're on yeah. their way to ice cream. Like, you know where they're going. Like, right. You understand. Oh, she's running this way. Oh, she's going over to her friend's house over here. Like you just get such a sense of, this place, this hotel or motel. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's talk about um, Hallie, who is again the the mother, played by Bria Venite. My goodness, Venite, Venite. Uh, incredible. I I could not believe. I remember when the movie came out. I was like, who is this person? And literally, like, no acting before that. Yeah. She's just un unbelievable. Like acting, like punch for punch with. Willem Dafoe, who again is like an incredible, you know, who yeah. is Willem Dafoe. Um, her character is so deeply complex and uh, incredible, and and the way her story is told again does not seem like pandering. Um, you know, I can see a movie like this ninety nine percent of the time would be like pity porn for people. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. like oh, like just look how the other side lives, or right. oh, I can't believe how people have to live like this, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't seem to be the message of the film and definitely not the portrayal of, of Bria because, um, you know, for all, all of her faults and all of her, you know, mistakes or, or decisions that, that, you know, led her to the situation and things that, you know, kind of unfurl throughout the movie, the way that she, like, genuinely cares about... <clears throat> um, uh, about about her daughter Mooney and everything is is really like just like beautiful beautiful storytelling. Obviously, as sad as like it it is for a million different reasons, mm -hmm. but just the way that um she she delivers that performance is incredible. Yeah, it's like you know in storytelling you sort of like try and reduce things so that you know things are like messages are easy to convey. You know, and people can you can sort of start stop like you can lose the depth in what being a human being is you know mm -hmm. and the how complicated it is to be alive you know and then not only to be alive but be alive and trying to raise a kid and mm -hmm. you know the, the world is like the society is not you know can very easily start working against you if you one or two wrong moves 
you know, that's it for you, you know, and that's it. You just kind of get washed aside. Um, and so in that way, you're watching her and you know she's making bad decisions left and right. But at the same time, you're like, what else, you know, what can she do? You know, and I'm sure there's things like, you know, you could, there's certain things she could do to make things better. But, you know, like, you you never, you never stop sympathizing with her, I think. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, and, no, never. and that's like, she does some pretty dumb stuff. And yeah. um, Sean Baker manages to like, keep you from hating her yeah um and that's like super impressive because and and again a lot of it is that performance like it's weird you watch it and it doesn't feel like acting like i wonder i would be interested to know sort of like how like what she is like in real life like is this a safety brothers thing where he's hiring someone close to that life or is this just an unknown who just happened to crush it. Like I, I would be interested to know like what her story is. Yeah. Um, but she plays it flawlessly. Like you, yeah. you forget that she's not, that this is a movie. Like you forget that it's a movie. Like it feels almost and, like a documentary, not like a documentary in structure, but just like, it just feels real. So real. Yeah. yeah it feels like you're just following, you know, them around and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's like, you know, something that stuck out to me and I was doing, you know, reading people's reviews and, and some thoughts on the movie. And, you know, a lot of people said, oh, you know, she's uh, she being um, Hallie, like, oh, she's selfish, like, blah, blah. I was like, I had never got the sense of that. Mm. Like, you know, there were a lot of moments where her friend's kids were, you know, she was taking her care of her friend's kids when obviously she doesn't have to. Right. Um, you know, the fireworks sequence in particular stands out where they go hitchhiking, which I guess is not safe, but they go hitchhiking because the kids had a rough day and they know they want to go watch the, they want to go watch the fireworks. Oh yeah. It's, you know, her, it's, her, it's that kid's way. birthday as well. I think birthday. Right? Yeah. 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 That's right. It's the kid's birthday. Um, and just like little moments like that, you know, obviously show the um, amount of compassion she has. And, <clears throat> you know, the, the way obviously at the end when social services comes to, to um, take Mooney from her, like her, transition of walking up the steps seeing who's there to her knowing like what's about to happen to being calm and then when she goes into the room and then the you know the last thing we see her is when she's like yelling at at the social service workers and throwing clothes everywhere like that perform like that even you know even with the rest of the movie if you took the rest of the movie away and it was just that like little five minute scene i mean my god yeah just heartbreaking uh, uh, unbelievable performances totally and it it, um it's i think sometimes like a film can be so good you forget that it's good like does that make sense like yeah yeah. because what you were saying i was like i hadn't really thought of the like my initial sort of like notes weren't really about the mom like she was just making making bad choices like whatever but like Mm -hmm. as you started talking about i'm like wow yeah no it's a movie. She's acting like these are scenes and, and yeah. like watching it, it just feels like I said earlier, it just feels so real. Like what's happening is so natural that you can sort of forget that what she's doing is just incredible acting. And that's exactly right. Like you said, she, that's exactly what she's doing. Like that whole scene is just a whole roller coaster of emotions. Um, mm-hmm. And she just puts it all out there. And it's mm-hmm. it's just incredible to watch, and just the way she like navigate like in every scene, the way she's navigating every scene, and 
her character's like emotional state in at every yeah. at every point is just like wow. Yeah. Um yeah, the, another scene that really stood out to me on this watch was um you know, when her friend uh I, I'm blanking on her friend's name when she says, you know, they can't the kids can't hang out. Oh, Ashley, I and, think is her name. Ashley, and then she goes to like the store or she goes to the, the the cafe to try and find out like what happened and like yes yes th- like the way they do that is obviously like pretty hilarious how they order all the food and like just to get kicked out so they don't have to pay for it yeah but also like she's looking for a friend you know mm-hmm. like like yes she you know people started ostracizing her because she started doing sex work but like I I I think she makes a call like. The way she, I don't think she explicitly says it, but the way she says, the way she like talks about it and says things and how it's, it's almost like you act like all you people haven't done things to keep your family afloat as well. Right. You know, like, I don't know. There's just a lot of little things like that, that really, um, it lands. I think, like you said, like how it makes sense. They didn't have a screenplay because I think having to write sort of things like this out, like wouldn't have translated as well as like getting pure emotion out from these people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like there's even that scene where like, uh, one of her side hustles is buying, uh, perfume <laughs> like wholesale. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, this guy, she's like offering it to him and he doesn't want to buy it. She's like, do you, do you just have like a few bucks like to, yeah. to get to me? And you're just like, my God, like she's just doing everything. She like, in her mind, she thinks she yeah. can do, you know? And I think that's what's yeah. interesting. It's like, you know, she could do, she could do better, but like she plays the character in such a way where it's like, she doesn't feel like she could do more. Like this yeah. is what she can do. And she doesn't like in her own mind, like so much about like the human condition is like wh- what you think you can do versus like what you can do, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, your own personal expectations. And she plays yeah. that character of just like n- thinking she has no options so well and what that feels like to feel like you have no option yeah um finally let's chat about Moni Mooney Mooney. uh played played by Brooklyn Prince who is fucking unbelievable in every single scene yeah like my god I mean before I get into character I really love how um Sean Baker chooses to shoot from their perspective most of the time Mm, like low everything is very low like uh, handheld, you really understand like how they see the world from their perspective. Mm, that's a good call. Um, yeah. And and I really think that's like it seems like an obvious touch, but like everything is shot so tight that like a lot of movies with kids like the, you know they would use a lot of wide shots, but like the tightness of the movie and like following them around running, I think just really immerses you in the world that the kids are living in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really love like her character. Uh, obviously, kids, you know, they don't know what is on the other side of life or what else is there, you know? And the way that Mooney sort of approaches like her fun and all that sort of stuff is just like oddly hopeful in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's the right word for it, but, uh, you know, the way she makes it. very innocent. Yeah. 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 Like the just pure, pure innocence. But then like, you know, they slap you over the head with a couple lines. Like my, my personal favorite line where she goes, you know, that he, that person's about to cry Oh, when yes. the people who booked the wrong hotel <laughs> and her friend's like, how do you know? And she's like, I always can tell when adults about to cry. Yeah. Like fucking brutal. That's and then the, yeah. 
The other one is where she, you know, they're walking around. She goes, um, you know why this is my favorite tree? It's tipped over and it's still growing. Yes. Like, yes. Just, yes. yeah. Like two just really beautiful lines of dialogue that like really summarize the whole movie. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's just everything is just so good. Yeah, because it really, it shows you like, it shows like, I think, you know, so often kids are sort of represented not as stupid, but like naive almost. Yeah, yeah. And I think like kids are so smart. Mm-hmm. And it, it, the difference between, you know, a child and an adult is experience and, you know, language, basically. Like their ability to sort of uh, express how they feel. And, you know, obviously, like as time goes on, you just have more experience, but like, She's clearly, you know, obviously you were watching her go through a lot and it's clear that she's, you know, handling it as best a kid can, you know? Yeah. This is my life. This is the world I live in. And, you know, they don't know any different, you know, like that's what experience gives you, like teaches you like the difference between like what you went through and like what other people did. But when you're a kid, you don't Mm -hmm. have that. You just know what you know. And she just lives in this sort of like magical place. Yeah. that she sort of creates on her own. Yeah, uh, Sean Baker said something. They're like, you know, she can't go to the animal kingdom in Disney World, so she goes on her safaris with her friends, and she can't get into the haunted house, so she'll go into abandoned apartments. Totally. Which I thought is interesting, um, because she doesn't say when they're in, like, the abandoned apartment that they, that they later set on fire. Right. Um, they don't actually... She doesn't say, like, this is the haunted house. She says... Like, we're going to have parties in here. Like, the couch is going to go here, blah, blah, blah. But I, I thought it was interesting. So I thought it was really interesting when he was like, this is her, like, haunted house equivalent type thing, mm. which I, I thought was cool. Like, you know, there's a childhood whimsy, even though what she's saying is, like, I want to be, like, an adult. There's still some sort of childhood, um, like, thought behind it, which I thought was super powerful. Um, and then, of course, like, that scene when she's taken away from or when child services is trying to uh remove her is was like fuck her the way she's yelling and she's like you're lying you're lying like i don't want to go like oh my god how can it just blows my mind how any child can like reach that level of (laughs) of acting yeah you know Yeah. Uh yeah like what is that doing to them where are they pulling that emotion from yeah it's so tough to see um but just really really incredible and a testament to obviously everyone like involved in the film that they're able to to do that yeah and even just capturing that moment because it's it's in a weird way sort of inevitable you know like as the movie goes on you're like this doesn't end well this is not gonna end well for anyone you know and it's nice that it doesn't end in a death in any capacity but like it ends in sort of the death of their relationship you know this mother is losing her child um and just the way that, like, you know, in a weird, you feel bad about it. You know, it's not like you're rooting for them to take her in the end. But at the yeah. same time, you know that she shouldn't be there. Yeah. And that sort of, how would you handle it? That feeling you're left with at the end is just like, oh, my God. Like, I don't, like, what do you even do? Yeah. Um, What did you think? of the ending. I know that the ending is pretty controversial. Um, whether or not people liked it or whether or not people even thought it was real. 
What are your What are your thoughts on the? Yeah, other? I was like wondering about that because I had heard similar things. Um, you know, in reviews that I had heard, like other podcasts that I had listened to, like said similar things, and I was like, "Is it? I, I don't know. It just just seemed like they escaped. I hadn't really thought about like never really occurred to me to think like, is it real or is it not? Except for the fact yeah, that either. that had been in conversation. Um, the ending, the like the sky above like the castle at in Disney World mm-hmm. it looks fakeish. Like it's like quite blue and the clouds like don't really look like clouds. Like everything else in the movie is so real mm. that like that part of it, it was like, oh, interesting. Like, I wonder what that's about. I did notice that. Uh, but whether yeah. or not it's real or not, I, I, it never really occurred to me. But um, yeah, like could she escape into Disney World? I guess not. Right. Like. Yeah. I mean, you assume no but i i i in my head yes she does it yeah right, realistically yeah. she got it um you know the p- part of the color and, and the sky it could be because they shot that obviously they did not have permission to shoot oh they did not for that. Okay, so cool they shot with he shot that with an iphone Amazing. Um, so that's why like the screen ratio slightly changes and the coloring and everything looks a little different oh, okay um because they went into they actually obviously went to disney world and just shot that on their own which in. i'm also surprised like disney like didn't sue the shit out of right, right. everyone involved with me for doing that yeah um but i guess maybe you're allowed to film things in disneyland like i'm, I'm not really quite sure what their policies are there but yeah um to me like i i in my head it it's a real ending and i really really love it like she spends her whole life being miles away from like the hap, you know, quote unquote happiest place on earth. Mm. And so where is the one place you're going to go when, um, you're about to have the worst moment of your life. Right. Right. Mm, yeah. Like to me, it seems like, yeah, like of course she's going to go there. Um, and also I'm really happy that it ended like this, mm. uh, because like this movie just ended in so many really really dark. sad really dark depressing ways um but i i do like that um sean baker chooses to end it with sort of like this fairy tale ending mm-hmm. to sort of make you think you know what if a little bit yeah um and it also sort of caps off the whole you know next to all these people living um you know next to this billion dollar multi-billion dollar you know company and and, and theme park there are all these people living you know week to week day to day um trying to make it work yeah uh, you know I, I think it 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 does caps cap it you know really really nicely i do like that i interpretation best in terms of it just being like giving the care just like giving the catharsis of yeah. a happy ending in a way that's like couldn't possibly happen um for the character's sake and like for you watching it <laughs> yeah i had this sort of like thought of like what if she just got hit by a car? Oh my god! You know what I mean? Her. And like, come on now! Oh god! And like, that would be like because <laughs> she's she's just like running, and it's just like there's just cars everywhere, you know. And it's like, oh god, what if that's what happened? And this is some sort of just like happy pl- happy place for her. But uh, yours is much better. And like, I, not that I thought mine was legit, but that was like the first <laughs> thing I thought of was like, oh god, oh no. But yours, I like yours better, and yeah, that's we'll stick with that. I like that much better. It's nice. Yeah. We're we're running with that, not with yours. Yeah, sicko. definitely not with mine. <laughs> sicko ending, yeah. weirdo. Um, yeah. Uh, also, when when I uh, was telling Tara we were covering this, uh, she was like, "You guys are brave to do this without a a, a female co-host." <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and I said that's probably true. So uh, I, I do just want to say if we missed some glaringly obvious points, uh, I, I do apologize. But if you're listening to this, and I'm assuming we are all uh, ideologically aligned, uh, for people who listen to this show, you know, take some time to, um, you know, look up ways that you can support, whether it's sex workers or, or, or uh, you know, single parents, not just single women, um, people living in low income situations. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a good documentary or something you can watch to sort of capture to further understand like what people are going through in these type of situations that Catcher and I obviously, uh, you know, <laughs> are not experts on or, or do not know the answers to and things like that so totally just wanted to call that out yeah and i think too it's just like it's always like maybe it's not good to know because it's like not a good situation but like there are always going to be people worse off than you yeah. you know and it's very rare <laughs> i mean maybe given my situation that, that, that it would be harder for me to run into those people but it's just like it's so rare that like you are the person in the worst situation you know there's so mm-hmm. much there's unfortunately just so much disparity in terms of like the way that people live in this world. And it's just nice to have a film that sort of captures that in a way that, like you said earlier, isn't like exploitative of mm-hmm. that situation. It's mm-hmm. just a window, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and that's nice. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, should we get to our categories? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Uh, we do two categories here on Cinenauts. The first is our Criterion moment. The scene or sequence uh, of the film that we think means it should be entered into the Criterion since this is not a Criterion uh, film. You want to go first? You want me to go yeah, first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. Because uh, I, I didn't have one. That's why Ian okay. was concerned okay. for me. Okay. But uh, okay. I knew that as we were talking that that would like unlock something. And I think the the scene I will go with is actually that fireworks scene where... Um, yeah. it's sort of, because enca- it, it sort of, it just encapsulates perfectly everything about the movie. It's like the way they get to the fireworks is, you know, they hitchhike, like very dangerously hitchhike to a yeah. place to go see fireworks for, you know, to make this friend of Mooney's, uh, who also lives in a hotel motel, like down the street, um, to celebrate sort of her birthday and to make her feel special. And it is in, you know, but these fireworks are from Disney World. It's like whatever would be happening at Disney World. Don't they do like a fireworks show like once a night or something? Um, yeah. And so it's like them like st- stealing, you know, this joy from Disney World, like by <laughs> without having, you know, without having to pay for it. But it's like they would never have had that opportunity to do it. And mm-hmm. and it just shows how much Haley cares you know, and yeah. her her empathy and compassion for these kids um, and the complexity of that, you know, it's like she cares enough about them to bring them to fireworks, but like not enough to skip. Like getting a, a hitch, like hitchhiking a ride there, just this very yeah. dangerous, secluded place um, yeah. in the middle of the night. So it's like it it's it just perfectly encapsulates like sort of the complexity <sighs> of her character and like what the movie is talking about, especially sort of in conversation with you know, not Disney world specifically, but using Disney world as like an idea of like two different experiences could be living like side by side. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my criterion moment was, um, when they do the, the, the breakfast at the hotel Oh yeah. Uh, at the very end when, you know, she pays, she says she's in room three twenty three or whatever. And then, you see um, 
you know, it, it starts off as like a bit funny. It's like, oh, you know, they're just trying to eat again. But then, uh, you know, it switch, and then you realize, like, right after she knows, um, like, human services is coming, or at mm. least she knows that her time with Mooney is like coming to a very quick end. And so she wanted her to go on this nice breakfast, this like one last time um, before the sequence of the finale happens. So for, for, for me, that was it. Um, just like the, uh, that leading the finale again, the acting, the way it sums up the three stories is just perfection all the way through. So totally that was mine. Uh, the second category is where we just talk about it in relation to Manila in the Claws of Light, which was the uh, crux of this exploration. Uh, I, I said this earlier, but you know, I, I think it's pretty clear. Obviously, it takes you know the studio's character, mm-hmm. um, but also, again, it, it takes it. It brings humanity and 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 life into people who are often like maligned on film, or if not maligned, they're taken and like portrayed as some sort of like popcorn fodder. You know, like some sort of way to like to be like faux empathetic for people in various situations, but just like the acting and the story and everything like that um, just really puts you in their shoes and non in a non like gross way. I think mm-hmm. that a lot of movies, uh, a lot of Amy Adams movies, uh, <laughs> for some reason, like tend to do, tend to fall into that trap. Yeah. Um, but uh, this doesn't do that. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think it was a solid pick. Mm-hmm. Great pick. If I say so for myself, for my own pick. For your own pick, yeah. Catcher. Um, yeah, I think um, like everything you said is accurate, and I think too, it's interesting. It, it, it's just expl- like um, exploring what it's like to be poor. You know, it's like the struggles. Like it's you know, there's this whole this whole thought of like you know, if you have, it's easy to make a hundred million dollars with a million dollars, but it's like impossible to make a thousand dollars with a hundred dollars. You know, this idea where it's just you when you're in these situations, what you have to do to escape them is can feel insurmountable, you know, and it's just like. But even in those situations, there's like a human like humanity still reigns, you know, like Manila in the Claws of Light, like that guy, the one who is killed in the construction site, like where he's just, he wants to be a singer, you know, and he's, mm-hmm, he's just mm-hmm. holding on to it. And like the way that the main character of that movie is um, just like holding on to his love, you know, that he, he's doing everything he can to find her, you know, this sort of like the, this idealism that even in like the worst places is the thing that like humanity requires to sort of keep going. Um, and I think this film captures that like stunningly. Yeah. Nice. Uh, excellent. Well, that was The Florida Project. Um, if you haven't watched it, pretty clear. I think Catcher and I both loved it. Super loved it. Uh, yeah, so I definitely recommend you go check it out. It looks, I mean, it's just, I don't think we talked enough about the cinematography. Like, we did a little bit, but it's a beautiful fucking movie yeah. to look at. Uh, and then just the acting and everything is, is incredible. So definitely go check that out. Um, shocker! I don't think we have tea with Boom this week because Boom has been traveling. <laughs> we are not allowed to use uh, the social media, and yeah. So, uh, our tea with Boom is thank you, Pocket Casts. Um, let's see. Next week we are going to be covering Solo, a Star Wars story with Maggie uh, of Film Hags. 
Um, so watch that movie, I guess. Yeah. If you <laughs> haven't life. seen it, please watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, have you have you seen it? I have. Sure you have, right? But like, always from like, uh, like I'm I'm not sure what's the word. Always from like a place of just like fuck this movie. Like, oh my god! So okay. I'm ex- and I've like every time I've watched it, it has been like can't let's try let's try and be fair to this movie um and wow. i've never had a chance to like really sit through it all the way from that perspective so i'm really excited to do that this time like i, I really don't want to shit on it i want to just go in and, and enjoy it as a movie on its own and see how that goes. i i mean spoilers but i'm a i'm a solo apologist you so are which is like, been fascinating to me <laughs> i am so I have no idea where Maggie stands on that. All I know is that Boom said Maggie will talk about Solo. Yeah. So that can that can mean two things. Uh, you know, that could either be very good or very bad. So we'll we'll see how that lands. Yeah, Boom did say she's like you know with me, her, and you. It's like we have a very like specific dynamic where we have like yeah. very interesting crossover. And she's yeah, like yeah. and. Maggie does not have that with you guys. Yes. And so she's like, I'm very, she's very excited for, you know, as pre film hags usual, like the chaos that that would yeah, create. Yeah. So yes. we're very, I'm yeah, it's going to be fun. Nice. I'm excited. Um, cool. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. Uh, again, solo, a star Wars story next week. And then eventually in like two or three weeks, probably we're going to be doing three ninjas with Danny, uh, with, with Danny Haas. Oh, and congrats so that- by the way on your, uh, your Stranger Things episode on 70 Miller, it was awesome. I listened to it. it oh, was, thank you. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, definitely check out 70 Millimeter. Um, I guested on their pod to talk about Stranger Things uh, Volume 4 with Danny and Slim because Proto doesn't watch Stranger Things. So they graciously invited their ex producer, now disgraced, on. <laughs> um, Go to that. And thanks for everyone for listening. Catcher, I will talk to you next week. Next week. See you later. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.